Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Stop Turtling the Podcast on KChatPress.com. I'm Dana Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC may be on a break this weekend, but that doesn't mean the MMA world is, and that doesn't mean Top Turtle MMA Podcast is either. We're, of course, breaking down all kinds of good PFL action for you guys this week. Uh, we are going to be going division by division and giving you our picks to win this season. That's right. Heavyweight all the way down to women's featherweight. We'll be breaking down the divisions. Plus, we'll be talking to a couple of guys who will be in those divisions. The first one we'll be talking on to is Ty Flores. A little bit later on, we'll be talking to Patrick Brady. And kicking off the show, we're actually going to start with some CFFC action. We're going to be talking to lightweight title challenger Cedric Gunnison. But before we get to any of that great content for you guys, we do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Picket app. The Picket social betting platform allows you to sync all of your bets with all of your sports books in one nice, neat little spot, helping you stay on top of the ways that you're most profitable. Not only that, but it's a great place to connect with other bettors, whether it's showing off your big score to some of your friends or trying to gain a following in the sports betting community. Picket has you covered. New veteran and experienced bettors have all join the Picket community, so what are you waiting for? Download the Picket app now on the Google Play Store or the App Store today and get in on the fun. Picket brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Cedric Gunnison, who fights Zolkarian Kamchabekov. Kamchip- I practiced that a hundred times, and I knew I was going to mess it up. <laughs> At CFFC 117, that fight is on March 31st for the CFFC lightweight title. So, Cedric, I, I wanted to start here. You know, you-, you have the ring of combat title in the weight class. You defended it once. Now you're going back to the organization where you'd kind of gotten a little bit more of your start. What does the CFFC title mean to you right now? It means a lot, man. It, it actually means a big opportunity for me. Um, with with the past promotion, we weren't necessarily treated the way we'd like to be treated. And uh, they offered the title off to somebody else when I was still the champion. So um, I'd like to go over here to CFFC because they came, they saw that, and they actually were uh, very kind and reached out. And um, that's the type of stuff we're looking for. I'm looking to get some respect in this game for me and my team, and uh, I mean, that's why we're going to come on over here and give them a show. That's what they deserve. I love that, and I, I want to talk about this matchup, too, because I think this matchup is a show, but before I do, you know, I, I want to also talk about the opportunity that CFFC is, because, you know, if you look at the record of champions that they've had before, you know, they send guys to the Contender Series pretty much every day. The Contender Series is cherry-picking guys out of CFFC. Uh, is it something that you have on your mind going into this fight that this could mean, you know, come August, we're, we're talking about a chance to, to punch the ticket to the big show? Of course, man. That's all we're trying to do here. That's what I've put in all the work for. I mean, I've done everything you can basically ask for. I've gotten belts. I've gotten knockouts of the nights. I've done highlight performances. I've got submissions. And uh, we're looking to get to the big show for me and my team. That's what, that's what we put in all this work for. So, of course. Absolutely. And and I'm curious, too, because, you know, you look back at your record, you've, you've obviously seen some high level guys in title fights on the regional scene. 
But you also saw a guy who was on the Contender Series. He fared really well up until, you know, like the last six seconds. Of course, talking about Charlie Campbell. What is it like seeing somebody that you fought and you had a very competitive fight with look so good on that show, too? Do you feel, you know, buoyed by that? I I really like that. I wish nothing but the best for any of the people that I fought. I want to see them go as far as possible. And I wanted him to win that fight. And he was he was winning that fight until he got caught. <laughs> yeah. so, you know what I mean? It, it sucks to see that happen for him. But uh, honestly, I hope he does make it really, really far and get his chance again. I hope that it's with me this time with that rematch. And uh, and I'm going back to that same building where I actually took my first loss in the 2300 arena. And I'm going to uh, redeem that. I'm looking to put on a performance, a really great performance in that building uh, come March 31st. Absolutely. And again, we're going to get to that fight in a second. But I wanted to ask you, too. About uh, this journey you're on, because you mentioned it a couple of times, the fact that you feel like this, this is the last step of the journey. You're getting close to the big show. You've been at this a while, though. You know, you look back at a lot of guys' records or guys who are in the same position as you. Not a lot of them have the mileage you have on it. And granted, you know, less pro fights. But the fact that you, the matter is, is you've been at this for seven years, right? Like, this is something you've been doing since you were 21. What got you into the sport of MMA competing at such a young age? Uh, really the first thing that got me started is I really want to get my mom a house through, through this. It's something that I'm actually pretty good at. I think I've shown that a little bit and, um, I do believe that I could do that and I would love to get back to my family through mixed martial arts. Um, and also it's just something I love. I love competing. It's not necessarily that I love to fight. I love training martial arts. I love that competitive nature of, of pushing each other in the gym, helping your uh, partners push them for their, their goals and they help push me for mine. And so it's just something I fell in love with. And obviously that had to have started early in your life, right? In order to start competing at 21, were you training martial arts even when you were, you know, a youngster? Well, we used to, I used to box in the streets with my brothers and stuff, but no, actually I didn't start training until I was 19 years old. So it, it looks like I've been doing this for a long time and it's because I'm, I'm fairly good at it, but I've put in a lot of work in these last few years to get to where I'm at, to get to be able to show the skill that I have. And I have so much more to show. And I'm just looking to do that March 31st. So now I got to ask too, you, you said you wanted to get your mom a house, but also you're boxing your brothers on the back street. So where's your mom following this whole martial arts deal? <laughs> uh, she just, she's just always been so supportive, man. Like she had four kids and she was a single mom growing up and just watching her struggle and help do everything that we need. It's just, I, I want to be able to give back and hopefully she'll be able to kick up her feet one day and just be happy that her kids are successful. So I think about that every single time before I step in there and I put on a show I hug her right after and let her know, like, that's nothing's going to stop me from doing that. So that one day that will come. I love that. Now, I got to ask one more question about boxing your brothers on the street, because that, that's a great origin story, first of all. But I, I got to ask, like, did, did any of your brothers get into martial arts? Was it just you? Like, like what wound up going on with that? And when I first started, what the conversation that got me going to the gym to try the first free class, and I stayed there ever since, was talking about my older brother. He was amazing at fighting. He used to light people up, and I wish that he would do martial arts because, man, he's really good at fighting. We were talking about him doing it, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should be. I should go try that. Maybe I could be good at it. I tried my first free class at the lab, mixed martial arts, and I fell in love, man, and I've been there ever since. It's been almost 10 years. So that That's awesome to hear. So there's a whole untapped Gunnison family out there in boxing. <laughs> Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, this upcoming fight, because, you know, you're a guy, like you said, you'd like to bring the action. You'd like to put on a show for people. You go all the way back to the amateur ranks. You look at some of your fights, like when you were in cowboy fights, for instance, like those fights, super exciting. 
as you get higher and higher up in the, the sport, though, right, you're on, you know, talking about contender series. We're talking about our second regional title here. Do, do you feel pressure to sort of change the approach or like you have to fight safer against more dangerous guys? Or is this, you know, like kind of what got you to the dance? Um, I mean, I am very skilled. I don't get touched too much in my fights. Obviously, with some of the better opponents, I am getting to the level where these guys are skilled just as well. And once you get into those guys that are just as skilled, it's about who wants it more. It's about who has more heart, who's going to be more grimy, who's going to bite down on their mouth guard and go to work. And I have no problem doing that. I love dog fights. I love showing people that if you want to come at me, I can come there too. So we're going to do what we got to do, and I'm going to get this fight. I'm going to get it done the way that I need to get it done, no matter what. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Now, let's talk about the opponent specifically too, because he's a guy who, you know, he's got tons of takedowns. But also, he likes to box. He likes to make it exciting like you do. Do you expect him to want to stand in front of you and, and turn this into a show? Or do you kind of expect him to, you know, lean on, on maybe that background and, and wind up on the mat instead? I'm, I'm looking forward to find out to what he wants to do. Necessarily, I don't, I don't pay attention to what my opponent's going to do. I like to go out there and do what I'm going to do. So he can come out there, try to stand, try to take it to the floor, whatever he wants to do. My game plan is what I'm going to focus on, and me and my coaches are going to go out there and show CFFC and everybody else what we can do. I mean, and that's it. And honestly, with him, he does remind me a lot of myself. We have kind of a very similar style. We like to do the same type of things, and I think that's going to make for an amazing matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And, and before I get your prediction and before I let you go here, I got to ask, this is a huge weekend for CFFC, right? They're doing the double shows, 117, 118, five title fights on all of it. Do, do you see that as like a blessing or a curse? Like you don't want to get lost in the, the masses, but at the same time, this is where the most eyes are going to be on the promotion, especially on a weekend where there's no UFC. Exactly. I think it's a blessing. I think these other guys are really good. They're going to come out there, they're going to put on a show, but I think I'm going to put on the best one. So uh, we're going to see if that if that stands to be true. I think I have a perfect opponent to push me to be able to show really what I can do. And I'm hoping he does show up for that. I do not want an easy fight. The last time I was in the 2300 arena, it was a hard fight. I want that same thing. But obviously this time I want to be able to finish my opponent. So that's what I'm looking forward to do. All right. Well, give me the official prediction then. I like to end these with those. How's this one go down on March 31st? It's going to be a finish. I'll tell you that much. Can't tell you when. Can't tell you how early or how late. It's going to be a finish. I promise you that. I do not want to go to decision. That's what happened last time. So this time, fourth round, say say we both make it do, to the fourth round, everything. I'm coming at him with everything I got, and I hope he does the same thing. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Cedric Gunnison, who fights Zolkarnian, Cam Chabakbekov at CFFC 117. Once again, that fight, March 31st. Cedric, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it as well. Have a good one. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Cedric Gunnison. I once again am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Marab Devalishvili could potentially be Aljamain Sterling should they have a fight that we, we pretty much don't think they will have. We talked about how he might be unbeatable in that division, but now... Corey Sanhagen seemed to remind all of us that we tend to forget about just how damn good this dude is by beating the holy hell out of Marlon Chito Vera. Uh, I got to ask you then, how do you pick a fight between Marab Tavalishvili and Corey Sanhagen, who are now seemingly on a collision course? I was just going to say, I don't need to pick a fight. I, because I, to go back to your original question, I don't think Tavalishvili is going to fight his teammate, Aljamain Sterling. So let's effing go. I want to see this fight so bad. 
how Davishvili would deal with Sanhagen's reach, his lankiness. Uh, I his movement. Think it would be his absolute. movement's good. His movement. It's it's superior to Davishvili's when it comes to striking. But Marab, my man, averages 15 takedowns a fight. Sanhagen, not the easiest guy to take down per se, but uh, when you're getting that many thrown at you, you know, if you can get it to the ground and eke out some rounds on the judge's scorecard with the ground and pound, I think it would be a razor close fight either way. I want to see that fight very badly. Yeah, I, I want to see it badly too, especially because, you know, we talked about it when Marab won that fight is, you know, the term weaponized cardio, right? Like he, he, he uses his cardio almost as a weapon to tire you out to the point where you can't fight anymore. Is that possible against a guy like Corey Sanhagen, who is so good in fifth rounds? We've seen him in now, what, like three or four fifth rounds in his life? You know, we got the TJ one in there. We got the Piotr Jan one in there. We got the, now we've got the, the Chito Vera one in there. He's damn good at the end of fights. He doesn't go yeah. anywhere. So, like, can – and this would have to be five rounds, obviously. Can Marab take him out of that? Can can Marab push him to the point where he's not good late? I don't know, and I got to see it. I was going to say, let's make it seven rounds. Let's go. I want to see the first seven-round fight in the UFC. And it might as well be with 135ers. But, no, you're completely right. I think Sanhagen uh, would not tire like some others do late in the fight against Marab. Uh, but I just think, you know, minus, uh, I don't know, minus 450 that that fight goes to decision, if not more. Um, I think it would be razor close. And I think it would be, you know, a very technical masterpiece. Of course, I'm hyping this up so much. Watch it be like a 4-1 Sanhagen blowout. But uh, I think it would be a very high-level MMA fight is where I see it playing out. And I see it playing out in the judges' scorecards. And that doesn't annoy me. Like, I, I would look forward to 25 good, solid minutes of, of high-level MMA. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, nothing more to say on the subject. That That is... A fight we all need to see. Maybe the most exciting fight you could put at Bantamweight right now is those two. Yeah, I, I want it all day. Yeah, I'd rather have that than, uh, you know, three years on the couch, Cejudo coming back. Uh... All right, well, we're in agreement <laughs> on that. Let's see if we get an agreement on our combat countdown for this week. It's our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show. No uh, real live fights, per se, in the UFC to break down. But we can break down PFL because the divisional uh, rounds start when? This weekend, right? Or is it next That's week? right. They, they start this weekend, April 1st, and then they're going to have them every single week for the next uh, 10 or 12 weeks, I believe. That's amazing. And then, of course, it'll all culminate in December with a winner from each division. So this combat countdown is our uh, divisional predictions for PFL. Uh, and uh, before we get into it, Kambi, I do wonder if anyone sponsors this edition of Combat Countdown. Absolutely. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal, get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. All right, you want to start with the heavies or at the lightest weights? You want to go Let, down? Let's let's start with the big boys. All right, let's start with the big boys. Uh, the prediction from uh, Top Turtle MMA 
at 265 is Henan Ferreira. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Henan Ferreira here. And I know some people are like, whoa, dude, you know, you got Ante D'Elia in there. You got Bruno Campelozzo in there who's already won a season and, and all kinds of people. I've been huge on Henan Ferreira for a while. And yeah, you know, he's shown some issues, especially in that fight with, with in his last fight. But he's just got so much finishing power early in fights that I think you're going to have to see him in the playoffs. Because as you know, you know, you get six points for a first round finish. He really might only need one first round finish to have enough to qualify for the, the playoffs. And then, you know, if he squeezes a second win in there, he could have a one seed or something like that. But this is a guy we've seen put people away in the PFL in 31 seconds and 25 seconds. Um, you know, obviously he had that very weird fight with Fabrizio Verdum that he kind of won but didn't really win. You know, real, really odd stuff there. But the guy has not really been beat all that recently with the exception of the Dalia fight. Uh, he's fighting Rizvan Kuniev, who I think he's going to be a massive favorite over in that first fight. And I'll just say this. I, I think he is... His length is going to be such a problem for people in this division. The dude is six foot eight with an 85 inch reach. You just don't see stuff like that enough. So yeah, I, I'm going to say, give me uh Henan Faria here in the heavyweight division. 205 is Rob Wilkinson. Break that down. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Rob Wilkinson. This is the boring uh, chalky. I'm going to take the former champ to repeat. But this division got a lot more interesting over the last year. Tiago Santos is in it this year. And I know a lot of people are saying, hey, Tiago Santos is the guy to upset Rob Wilkinson. And we're going to see it in the very first week, which is super exciting. You also got Christoph Jocko coming over from the UFC. You got Corey Hendricks, who's a former Ultimate Fighter guy, coming in, trying to mess things up. But the bottom line here is for me, and, and, and Ty Flores, who we talked to later on in this show, the guy has got crazy good wrestling and, and is a fun dude to watch too. But the thing is, is I just think Rob Wilkinson is really dangerous on the feet. And the fact that, you know, Tiago Santos's biggest issue has been that he's tentative when he's striking lately. He's got a guy coming at him who's like a bull in a china shop and with a heavy, heavy power who's only got two losses in his whole life. And one of them is against uh, Israel Adesanya. So, like, you know, no shame in either of those losses. And I just think for me, I think Rob Wilkinson has got that kind of staying power that we're going to see him around for a while. So give me the chalk. Give me the guy who's already done it. Give me Rob Wilkinson. 170 pounds will be Dan Madge. Yeah, Dan Madge is a guy who I've been saying time and time again. I've been singing his praises since he left the UFC. You know, he asked the UFC for his release uh, after, you know, just not getting a lot of fights, having a lot of things fall off. But the guy was undefeated in the UFC. He beat T. Edwards and he beat Farah Zayim. He left the UFC to go fight in PFL. Looked good in his first fight there. And then last season had some injury problems. Was not able to get back after a tough fight with Roush Manfio. But I really do think this guy's wrestling plays up. And he's one of those guys who his wrestling is almost a bigger weapon in that he makes wrestlers strike with him. Uh, and he's dangerous on the feet. So I really like Don Madge this season. I will say... You know, he's got a tough fight to start off the season with Magomed Magomed Karamov. Um, you know, you obviously got, you got Magomed Umalatov in that division. You got Sadabu Sai, who's won the division. There's lots of fun names in there, but I do think if Don Madge stays healthy, he's going to be my pick this season. And at 155 is the UFC vet Shane Burgos. Yeah, 155, which is, I'm a little bit interested to see what happens at 155 for Shane Burgos. But I'm going to pick him here at 155 because, first of all, I think his striking is electric, and you're in a division here with a bunch of dudes who want to strike with you, right? 
uh, Clay Collard wants to box with you. Rash Manfield wants to box with you. Natan Schultz might wrestle with you a little bit, but largely will probably strike with you. And then the guy who wants to grapple you was the one who won the season, and that's Olivier Aubameyang. Now, the problem with that is Olivier Aubameyang is also not a super large lightweight. So Shane Burgos coming up, I think, is going to play well against that. I also think Shane Burgos is, of all of those guys who like to strike, the one who can defend the wrestling best. And I really do think his hands are a lot better than Olivier Aubameyang. So give me the other UFC vet to take over this season and uh, beat the wrestler. At 145, it's Bubba Jenkins. Yeah, I'm going to go with Bubba Jenkins down here. And he's a guy who's been hanging around the featherweight division for a while. 145. Yeah, at 45. uh, He's been hanging around this division for a while and looking really good doing it. The big difference for me is I think he's finally starting to turn a corner a little bit in what he's doing grappling-wise. Because, you know, while he didn't wind up getting that win over Braden Lognane in the finals last year... You know, they, the wrestling against Kyle Bochniak or Ryoji Kudo leading up to that finale was exceptional. It looked a lot better than when he lost to Chris Wade, again, back in the semifinals in 2011. So now he's lost in the semifinals. Now he's lost in the finals. I do think this is his year to turn that corner. I think he can out-wrestle Chris Wade. I think he can deal with Kybulev. I, I definitely think he's going to have no problem with somebody like Marlon Marias. And, and I like his chances to get his revenge here against Lognin. So, uh, yeah, give me... Give me Bubba Jenkins to finally not be the bridesmaid and finally be the bride. Let's move over to the women's side. Stay at 145. It's our one women's pick. Uh, it's Amanda Levy. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the one who got her contract via the PFL Contender Series. This is my kind of sleeper pick here because if you look at this featherweight division, you know, a lot of people are all going to be all over Larissa Pacheco, especially as she just beat Kayla Harrison. Some people are going to love Julia Budd coming over from uh, Bellator or Aspen Ladd coming over for the UFC. But I'll tell you what, the way Amanda Leve looked in the grappling in that PFL fight, I mean, she fought a very high-level judo specialist, and she just manhandled her. I love that she's te- training out of Team Daniel Gracie, um, which we're going to talk to a Daniel Gracie guy later on in the show and Patrick Grady. Um, I, I love that we're he, she's a Daniel Gracie gal. I love that she is starting to put her hands together with her grappling. And yeah, she's only 2-0, but I do think she's got a chance to absolutely run the table here and uh, pick up a million bucks in the process. Boom. Well, that wraps up this edition of Combat Countdown. Let us know on the social media, at Top Turtle MMA, if we got these predictions right, or if maybe we played you a little dirty and you think we're dead wrong. We want to hear that, too. Gumby, we're having fun here. Let's keep the party going. Where should we, where should we go next? Yeah, so I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we are going to talk to two people who are in this PFL season, and uh, we're going to start by talking to Ty Flores, who is making his first appearance in the 205-pound division of this tournament. He's going to be one of the ones trying to unseat Rob Wilkinson, and he talks a little bit about getting ready for this season and being prepared to fight anybody. And then we're going to be talking to Patrick Brady, a guy with tons of personality who is taking a short notice fight, getting in on this heavyweight division on just three weeks notice for somebody who dropped out. Uh, And he talks about, you know, the whirlwind that that is, as well as all of those good training partners like the ones at Daniel Gracie that I just mentioned. So we're going to get to all that great content for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Ty Flores, who fights Dalen Monte at PFL1. That fight is on April 1st. So, Ty, I I wanted to start here. You know, you're a guy who's, 
you know, was knocking on the door of the UFC for quite some time. Kate, you know, contender series, looking for a fight. You wound up signing with the PFL, which we're seeing more and more people choose to do despite being on the door of some of the other bigger promotions. What what sort of led you to decide PFL was the right route for you? Uh, yeah, so before my last fight, uh, my manager said that was definitely on the table, either as an alternate or on the regular season. So I, I knew that even before my last fight. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've been there with the UFC before with just like, you know, hey, you know, maybe we'll sign you or we'll do this. And it's just a waiting game where it's like I knew I could have waited and for sure got on Contender Series again. But, you know, I want to stay active this year. You know, I fought twice in the past three months and, you know, the PFL was offering it to me. So I said yes. And I know they have guaranteed fights and whatnot. And like I said, I just wanted to stay busy in 2023. So and they were paying pretty good. Absolutely. And, and now you mentioned staying active, too, which I, I've heard is a both a blessing and a curse for a lot of these people choosing to go to the PFL. On one hand, you know, there is a lot of fights and you don't have to worry about waiting around. On the other hand, not a lot of recovery time. You know, you kind of get them all jammed together. Is, is there somebody who you look to for, like, advice on how to handle this kind of grueling season that PFL puts forth? Uh, No, I mean, I train sometimes with guys who have fought for the pfl but i mean in terms of recovery i mean the way i think about it is that you know that's probably something that you should be focusing on anyway you know what i mean like recovery should be a primary thing that you that, that you end up doing so you know with our squad i mean we don't have a huge team uh specifically with the big guys but we've got a very close-knit very good guys and we train hard all the time and it's like I mean, damn, dude, like <laughs> when you're training with Curtis Blades, it's like you if you're not spending money on recovery, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be training very often. So for me, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I I spend time on recovery anyway um, and I, I train smart. You know, a lot of these gyms, I think they have a lot of like a ton of guys where, you know, maybe their camaraderie isn't all the way there or you just have guys like coming in and out of their gym, which is can be a good thing, too. But with our gym, it's like. You know, like I said, we have a pretty close-knit, tight group of guys. So I think it's also not as many training injuries happen. You know what I mean? Like I said, we uh, we take care of each other I, pretty well. I like that. I like that. Now, I, you, you brought it up. I got to ask about the, the training room for the big guys at Elevation because, like, it, it's, a, it's an incredible bunch, right? It's not just Curtis Blades. It's Zach Ponga. It's, it's you know, uh, Devin Clark moved his way oh, up no, there. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a murderous row up there. What is it like being in the room with, with dudes who are, you know, first of all, some of them bigger than you and, you know, wrestling killers. What, what is it like day to day in that room for you? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like somehow, like I forget that I'm a big guy because I'm around <laughs> guys like Curtis where it, when people are like, oh, wait, you're you're also big. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't really compare myself to him. He's just extra big. But, yeah, I mean, dude, there's no there are no easy rounds. I mean, now I think just about every guy is signed to a big promotion. I think there's two guys on our big guy squad that aren't, but they are well on their way. You know, we got Vanilla Thunder, um, also my roommate. I think he'll, he has a fight here in two weeks. I think he'll either get signed or get on contender series after that. And we got another guy that, you know, he's not signed yet. He only has a couple pro fights, but he's maybe the slickest kickboxer in the room. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's a tough room. It's one of those days where it's like, we're all good enough where if you're having a bad day or you're not focusing on that recovery, like I was mentioning earlier, it's like, you're going to get fucked up. And, 
you know, it's been it's been fun, dude. Like me and Devin Clark have just been having some. Oh, I mean, Zach Pauger too. Those are two of my main training partners. But that's just one of those where it's like, dude, if Devin gets me on the ground and I just can't get up, it's it's going to be a really really shitty round. <laughs> Zach Pauger and I. I mean, Zach is just an evil person. <laughs> but we were always talking shit to each other, and it's one of those like. You know, that's that's a round where I think we each reserve for each other where we're uh you know, we're we're trying to take each other's souls, but it's it's good in the long run, you know? Absolutely. Now I have to imagine with training partners like that, you start to look at this season and, and it doesn't look so scary, right? Because you when you're underneath, you know, Devin Clark or you're getting wrestled by Curtis Blades, you know, what could be scary about this two oh five division in PFL? But I got to ask, you know, looking ahead, there are some big names in there. Rob Wilkinson just won the season. Tiago Santos is fighting him on that same card as you're fighting on. He's coming over from the UFC fighting for the title there. Are, are there people who you kind of have circled as, I mean, obviously Monte is first, but are there people you have circled as, you know, kind of hoping you see them down the road? No, not at all. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I don't even know how they score the season. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things, man, where it's like – I. I'm just going to fight who they put in front of me. You know, I know Tiago was, you know, obviously Tiago is going to be, you know, the, I guess I would probably say favorite guy of the season, you know, not to diss on Rob Wilkinson because Rob Wilkins is good. I think he's only, I mean, I think he lost to Izzy, lost to another guy, but I mean, he's beaten everybody outside of the UFC. Uh, they've got some really talented guys. Uh, but in my head, when I knew about this, I guess about a month or so ago, I mean, in my head, I'm preparing to fight Tiago Santos. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, I'm not fighting Tiago, but mentally, you know, I'm preparing for that. Mentally, I'm preparing for the toughest guy. I think he's definitely the most experienced guy. Um, I think some of the other guys are going to be a little bit hungrier. You know, if I'm Rob Wilkinson, it's like, you know, Tiago Santos are, are arguably beat John Jones. So it's he's going to be wanting to go out there and, and, you know, try and make a name off of that. So I think there's going to be hungrier guys, but in my head, yeah, I mean that, that, that's going to be the that's going to be the big dog of the group, I think, this year. But um, no, I mean nothing specifically in mind. I mean, there's things you got to watch out for for each guy. But ultimately, I'm just I'm just working on myself. I'm working on focusing on what the damage I'm going to do to them. You know, I I dig that quite a bit. Now I, I want to get to talking about this specific matchup in a second. But before I do, I'm a big fan of fight nicknames. I love hearing the stories of how they got them. And, and there's 100 Bulldogs out there. There's 75 Hitmen. You know, like the, everybody else is a, this beast or that beast. There's one big medicine. I've only ever heard one big medicine before. So you got to tell me the story. How'd you become the big medicine, man? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, that was just a nickname that uh, my buddies back in high school gave me. And then I, uh, you know, it wasn't really a fight nickname. And then, you know, I had one year where I kept, <laughs> I just kept choking out guys. And then there was another time when I, I broke this guy's jaw and then it was just like, uh, it was right before I got a contender. I think I'd finished like four or five straight fights. And then my, uh, my buddy at the time took me to weigh-ins and he was like, dude, you got to put on big medicine. Cause he, you know, he heard that nickname and I was like, nah, man, no. And then it was one of those where I was my last cut to 85 actually. And I was like, he wrote it in for me and I was filling out all my paperwork when I, when I wasn't looking. So I had no idea I was even going to go out at that. But if you go and watch my fight with uh, James Boknovic, this UFC, the, the, you can, he was pretty drunk. He was chanting the name, and then it just kind of stuck. <laughs> and everybody seems to like Big Medicine, so you know, how can I say no? Can, can I ask why in high school you became Big Medicine? Why was Big Medicine a nickname that came across you in high school, or is that a secret? <laughs> well, 
No, no, no. So Big Medicine was, uh, they had this guy that was on the Lewis and Clark expedition. I think it was, I forget if it was Lewis or, or Clark, but it was, he was this, this guy named York. He was one of the slaves and he, he got freed at the end of the expedition, but he was this big giant guy. And all of my, my history teacher went in on this and all of the, uh, the Native American women, they loved him because he was this big giant guy and they wanted all these warriors, big warriors. So they would want him to sleep with all their women. So I just, I love that. And then of course, you know, when you're 15 and you hear that and you think you're a ladies man, you're like, Oh, of course I'm going to be big medicine. You know? Well, it's good that that made its way to the fight world. And I appreciate you sharing it with me. So let's talk now about the fight. You know, you got Dale Monty fighting at PFL one. This is a guy who's been through the season already, right? Like, he's a guy who's fought Wilkinson in the playoffs. You know, he fought Antonio Carlos Jr. He's kind of seen what the PFL has to offer. What were sort of your thoughts when they first announced him as your opponent? Yeah, so they first announced I was going to fight Christoph Jocko. He was a guy that I'd seen fight a few times, and I was like, all right, hell yeah, I think that's a great matchup for me. Um and then they rescheduled it and they said uh, they gave me Monte. And I saw some of his fights, and I think that's an even better matchup. Um, I mean, he's a guy where, you know, it seems like, I mean, in every one of his PFL fights, I don't think any single one of them has lasted a minute. Um, he either goes out there and finishes the guy or he ends up getting finished. Um, I guess he got more of you, you get more points if you go for the finish in the first round. So um, some other fights I've seen of his, you know, I'm not. I guess the same in Brazil as it is in the U.S. I think a lot of guys just kind of fight, you know, not the highest level of competition before they get to the big show. Um, you know, he, he beat Sorty, but, you know, I mean, man, Sorty kind of seems like a like a shadow of his former self. I think he's maybe even retired now. Um, but, yeah, man, go out hard. Um, we're going to be prepared for that. Um, he just looks like he wants to brawl and throw haymakers. And, honestly, I think the longer that the fight goes, I think the more it goes in my favor. All right, so usually I like to end these things with a prediction then. So how do you see this one ending on April 1st? You know, it's 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 tough to say because I could see me – he seems to have problems with speed with guys hitting him. So I could see it ending really quick because if he wants to go into a dogfight, that's what I like to do too. Um, I could see that or I could see a late finish, but I'm, I'm – Something's telling me a second-round finish. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Ty Flores, who fights Dylan Monte at U- uh, PFL 1. That fight is on April 1st. Ty, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. All right, and joining me today is Patrick Brady, who fights Michael Adrezak at PFL 2. That fight is on April 7th. So, Patrick, I wanted to start here. You know, you only turned pro less than a year and a half ago. How crazy is it to be at the highest level in this short of a time fighting for a million bucks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool, man. Um, it's no secret that I had the least amount of experience in the tournament. Um, you know, there's 10 guys, and I'm the only one uh, with under 10 fights, right? So the next guy above me has, I, I believe, it's 13 fights, and, you know, I'm, I only have five. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild, but... I'm excited for the opportunity to uh, prove that, you know, it's just a number and that, you know, I've been, I've been out here grinding for a long time, brother. Yeah. And, and, and I wanted to ask you about that too, because you, you have been out here grinding for a while. I know your amateur career goes back more than, you know, just 18 months, but what made you kind of decide to turn pro, you know, a little bit later in life, right? Like you were 37 for your first pro fight. What made you decide to turn pro then? 
<laughs> well, I mean, so there's a little bit of a backstory. I got sober in 2016, right? Um, I'm active in recovery and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, you know, so I, I made some lifestyle changes in 2016 and then, uh, I made my amateur MMA debut in 2018. You know, uh, you know, I got my mind right and then I wanted the body to follow. I didn't really, honestly, I didn't anticipate anything, like anything really coming of this. I kind of was just, I wanted to get in shape. I wanted to learn something new. Um, I did a boxing match and, you know, there was somebody there who did MMA and he told me he was tougher than me because he did MMA and I wanted to find out what he was talking about. So, uh, eight weeks after that conversation, I was, I was in a cage for my amateur debut. Now I'd never done any jujitsu. I didn't have any wrestling background at all. And, um, I just had a little bit of a boxing base but like not much of one at all. And um, that was my first and only fight that I had ever lost. And it was my first fight. And I kind of just been hooked ever since. And, um, you know, my mentality is and always has been like, you know, go a hundred percent at things. And um, I kind of, you know, dove into MMA and, and, you know, I, I dove in, man. So, and, and look, I'm I'm around like really good fighters, right? So I'm around uh, ranked UFC fighters, and you know I train with killers, and you know it's it's if you talk to the guys in the gym, it's no surprise that I'm in this position. Yeah, well, and I was going to ask you about that too. And first of all, thank you for sharing that message for us because that's a, a beautiful, uplifting message for anybody out there struggling as well. Uh, but I, but I wanted to ask you too about the killers you train with because you're, you're training with you know guys like the Dawkins brothers, right? And and guys, yeah, and, and killers down there in Philadelphia. So t- tell me a little bit about what it's like in the gym day in and day out for you, a guy who you know never really thought anything was coming to this, fighting a you know a top ten heavyweights in the world, you know, in the gym every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chris has been great. Uh, he, he's really taken me under his wing and, and, and has been, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I can't explain how, how really he, he's been, how good he's been to me. Uh, he, he just teaches me everything he knows and, and I'm a sponge and I soak it up and I've been able to, uh, sit cage side with him at T-Mobile arena, you know, when he's knocking out top 15 ranked fighters and, you know, and um, I got to experience some really cool things with Chris, and, and his his journey's not over by any stretch of the means. So, you know, I'll be right there next to him, you know, moving forward. And now he's coming out uh, with me to Vegas uh, April 7th at uh, the Virgin Theater Hotel to uh, corner me. So, and, and not just him, his brother Kyle uh, has been great over and both of them over at Martinez BJJ. And then, you know, I do a little bit of cross training over at Marquez MMA. And over there, we got guys like Andre Petrowski, Joey Piper, Sean Brady, Jeremiah Wells, Pat Sabatini. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the room next to those guys and, you know, I'm, I'm learning from them as well. And, uh, Andre Petrowski has been, you know, just as, just as pivotal in, in my journey as Chris has. Um, you know, he's a four, he's four and only I've seen now in the middleweight division. And he's got, um, excellent wrestling and wrestling background, division one wrestling background. And, 
he's he's you know to say he's probably you know he's my best friend he was the best man in my wedding he's my youngest son's godfather <laughs> you know he's like that's my boy that's my brother so i'm look man i'm around fighters so and if you talk to these guys like i said it, it's no surprise that i'm in this i'm in this situation because you know i put the work in so uh i it's i when i got the call from my manager uh jason house over at iridium asking me if I wanted to do the tournament and I, w- I was actually in the gym at the time and I turned next to Chris I'm like yo PSL tournament million bucks <laughs> he's like hell yeah let's go so you know I, I don't really care uh, who they put me up against you know you gotta fight everyone eventually it's a tournament you know what I mean like um, I don't care like you're 35 fights whatever uh, you know what I mean like Look, man, it it is what it is. Like I, I, I'm I'm at the level now where if you, if you can't do it, then you can't do it. Like it is what it is. So um, we're gonna find out, man. We're gonna find out what I'm made of. And, uh, I have nothing to lose here, bud. You know, I have nothing to lose. These guys with that with 35 fights, he's fighting a guy with five fights. It's like, bro, you're supposed to win. Like he's supposed to beat me. He, like if he loses to me, like. Like, what's that say to when he's got to fight guys like, you know, Capaloza? Like, he's supposed to beat me. I'm not supposed to win this fight. Like, the, the odds makers are going to have him favored. I'm sure of it. So, I have nothing to lose. I'm I'm playing with house money. You know what I mean? I'm a short notice guy. I came in on a short notice, and I got this phone call not even three weeks ago. So, I, you know, I'm sure he's known he's been in it. So I don't give a shit. I'm a, I'm a dangerous fighter, brother. I'm getting in there and I'm throwing fucking punches. I'm I'm dangerous. And I, and I, I love I, I love that mentality too. So I was gonna ask you. You know, you you said you know you're the least experienced guy in there. You're coming in on short notice, but but I, I feel the confidence radiating out of you, right? Like I, I can tell that you're a guy who believes you could go in there and beat the hell out of any everybody. Now I, I want to ask how much of that is that like you know I'm just gonna give my absolute best and I'm I got nothing to lose and how much of it is that you, like you said, you have those training partners that have showed you, you can hang with the best. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's a combination of everything. It's, it's a combination of the guys that I'm training with, um, with the success that they've had at the highest level. And it's a, a, a combination of my own success. I've had my hand raised, you know, in a row, a lot, you know what I mean? And, you know, five, five consecutive fights, in a row, I've had my hand raised. My opponent can't say that. He's only won his last three. So, you know, he's got that sour taste of defeat uh, only four fights ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm confident, man. I'm, I'm coming in there and I'm, I'm going to throw punches. I'm going to put my hands up and put my chin down and I'm going to go walk. I'm going to walk right towards him. So, you know, we're going to find out, uh, you know, just what he's made of. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. We're going to find out what he's made of. I love that. I love that. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Because you, like you said, you're stepping in there with a guy who's fought a bunch of times out there before, you know, and, and you're the lesser experienced guy. With little time to prep, how much have you been able to watch him? How much have you game planned with him? And, and how much have your, like, coaches been able to, to sort of guide you along the way to getting ready for him as well? I mean, I mean it, it, the ideal camp is eight weeks, right? And it's eight weeks for a reason because you, you need time to develop a technique, 
to counter your opponent's technique or to hone in your own techniques, right? Like, and, and to get better at what you're doing, um, to prepare for that specific fight. Um, and I haven't had time to do that. You know, if you look at, I just fought, you know, not too long ago myself, what was it? February 3rd, I just fought in a three round, a three round war. Right. And, um, against a really good fighter in your med Wildman. So, you know, I was right back in the gym. I know that, you know, I needed a little bit of time to heal up. And, you know, I, I was training and I, I you know, I got to train. So it's fortunate that I was, I, I was ready when I got the call, but to say I'm specifically ready for this opponent would be a lie because, you know, guys need more time, but I, look, man, I don't give a shit. It, at the end of the day, it's a fight. Right. And, you know, like Shale Sonner will say, like, it, it's a tough guy competition. Like, you know, first round, there's a lot of technique in that first round, right? The second round, that technique tends to diminish a little bit. And then by the, by the third round, it's like, who wants it more? Who wants it more? You know what I mean? And we're going to find out what happens when, you know, he gets punched in the face. We're going to find out, like, okay, can you get punched in the face? Can can you stand in the center and, and throw punches? And you know I've proven that um, I'm pretty durable. I've been in some really bad positions, and I've been I've been I've lost rounds, and I've I've come back and and won the fight. So, uh, you know I listen. I don't lack confidence. <laughs> I don't lack confidence because it it you can't get in there without confidence. You need you need to to be confident. And it's it's definitely a part of the a part for of the sure. Game. Now I, I usually like to end these things with a with a prediction. So give me the official prediction on on April seventh. How's this one end? First round finish. Yeah, I'm gonna light him up. Um, I I think he's susceptible to getting hit. Uh, I don't think you know he likes getting hit, and we're gonna um we're gonna meet in the center. And we're gonna punch each other. So you know I. We're going to find out, but I think it's a first-round finish. If you look at his record, there's a lot of first-round finishes on both ends. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of first-round finishes, and he's been finished in the first round a couple of times. So it, it, it's it's been both ways with him. He he hasn't seen the second and the third round a lot. Um, and so we're we're gonna. I don't think it's going to get it out of the first round. I think the crowd's going to. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I think the crowd's going to be happy with the with the end result because somebody's getting finished. You know, I love it. And you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Patrick Brady who fights Michael Aldrazak at PFL Two. That fight once again is on April seventh. Patrick, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All good, brother. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Journal MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Picket. And as a reminder, you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at Top Journal MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby-Freeland. He's Jacques Wade Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.